Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in. Thank you for joining me as always. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast and tell others about it, I'm incredibly grateful for that. Y'all help it to grow. And for those of y'all that have come over to Patreon and whatever tier you're at to support the podcast, thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for your financial support and humbled by it, and I will try and use your time wisely. As always, Lord, thank you for the time to do this podcast, for the people that listen and share it. Be with them and their families. Guide us all closer to you. Guide our nation back to you. We ask all these things in your son's name. So, we've been going over Christmas messages and working our way through FDR's messages in the 30s and we're up to 39 and it's a doozy it, in my opinion really breaks down into into three main parts so we're going to go ahead and get into it December 24th 1939 the old year draws to a close it began with dread of evil things to come and it ends with the horror of another war adding its toll of anguish to a world already bowed under the burden of suffering laid upon it by man's inhumanity to man. This is really kind of the first part. As we've gone over these Christmas messages for the last few days, you can see the tone of fear kind of creeping in. FDR's talked about peace a lot, and Christmas is a great time to talk about peace considering we're celebrating the birthday, as FDR said, of the Prince of Peace. But there was a reason they were in the Depression and and people were starting to figure out that they were headed toward another world war. And that was, uh, that was disturbing, as it should be, rightfully so, very disturbing. And so, FDR at Christmas turned again and again to this message, and he's going to talk about it today when we read through it, the Sermon on the Mount again, Jesus Christ's teachings. But it just goes to show again, folks, that every time, every time our country has gotten into, until, until recently, when our country has had dark days, our really great leaders turned back to God, and we as a people turned to Him as a nation. And you know, we read, uh, I'll just go through this real quick. We read FDR's from a couple days ago, I think it was maybe 1936 Christmas message, and he talked about those people that claim to want peace, the more they listen to the teachings of Christ the more they can really claim to want peace, the less they listen to the teachings of Christ, right? Then the less we can claim to really want peace. And so as a nation, the farther we've gotten away from God, 
the less we can really claim to want peace and unity. And that's, we've known that, whether people want to admit that or not, throughout the history of our nation. It's just today that we're pretending that's no longer true. But thank God for the interlude of Christmas. This night is a night of joy and hope and happiness and promise of better things to come. And so in the happiness of this eve of the most blessed day in the year, I give to all of my countrymen the old, old greeting. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. A Christmas rite for me is always to reread that immortal little story by Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Reading between the lines and thinking, as I always do, of Bob Cratchit's humble home as a counterpart of millions of our own American homes. The story takes on a stirring significance to me. Old Scrooge found that Christmas wasn't a humbug. He took to himself the spirit of neighborliness. But today, neighborliness no longer can be confined to one's little neighborhood. Life has become too complex for that. In our country, neighborliness has gradually spread its boundaries from town to county to state, and now at last to the whole nation. For instance, who a generation ago would have thought that a week from tomorrow, January 1st, 1940, tens of thousands of elderly men and women in every state and every county and every city of the nation would begin to receive checks every month for old age retirement insurance. And not only that, but that there would also be insurance benefits for the wife, the widow, the orphan, children, and even dependent parents. Who would have thought a generation ago that people who lost their jobs would, for an appreciable period, receive unemployment insurance? That the needy, the blind, and the crippled children would receive some measure of protection, which will reach down to the millions of Bob Cratchits, the Marthas, and the Tiny Tims of our own four-room homes. In these days of strife and sadness, in many other lands, let us in the nations which still live at peace forbear to give thanks only for our good fortune in our peace. Let us rather pray that we may be given strength to live for others, to live more closely to the words of the Sermon on the Mount, and to pray that peoples in the nations which are at war may also read, learn, and inwardly digest these deathless words. So this is the second part, and this is the part of the message that I really didn't want to get into because it's it's unpleasant. And I'll go ahead and lead off with, my father has for years made the comment that if FDR knew what these programs, these social programs were going to turn into, he wonders if he would have ever passed them because they've turned into a monstrosity. They've turned into something they were never intended to a certain extent. But here's the problem. And if you know the teachings of Christ at all, you, you, you know this, and if you don't know them, you can go and dig into it yourself. But Jesus Christ never once commands us or even gives us the right to go and take from someone else to pretend to be benevolent and give to another. Never once, not one time. There's, there's nowhere in the New Testament you'll find Christ uh, admonishing or, or even giving consent to those who follow him to go take by force, which is exactly what these social programs do in the United States. It's not giving. It's not kind. Even when FDR says it here, all this list of things, we can't take any credit for that because 
if we're not doing it of our own funds, if we're not giving out of our own means, if we're taking from our neighbor to give to somebody else because we feel like they deserve it, we earn no credit. In fact, that's a discredit to us. That brings shame on us. And, and there's just no way you can argue that till you're blue in the face and sputter and shout and get angry. And, and some of you that listen to this may, but you can't ever, even kids, you go ask a kid say, Hey, if you see a person on the street and you take a $10 bill out of your own wallet and give it to them or go buy them some food, are you being kind? And the kid will immediately tell you, yeah, absolutely. I'm being kind. And then you ask them, okay, well, what if I come up to you and I take that $10 out of your wallet by force? And then I go and give it to the homeless man on the street or go buy them some food. Am I being kind? And the, and the child will immediately say, no, absolutely not. So our children get it. They understand the concept clearly, as, as is so often the case today, because they don't have an agenda. They don't have a political agenda that they're trying to fulfill like the left today is with these social programs. And they automatically understand that that's not right to take from somebody else. And then you get to pretend, oh, I did that. I was kind because I, I voted for this guy that's stealing money from other people. And that's really kind of me because they don't really need it. And these other people do, you know, in Jesus Christ, he gives a parable, talks about the owner of the vineyard who hires all these workers. And then at the end of the day, he hires them at different times and he ends up paying them all the same wage, even though some have worked all day long and some have only worked for a little while. And, and the ones that worked all day long get all mad at him. And the response in the parable of the owner says, why are you mad? Are you mad because I'm kind and generous with what I own? Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Or are you really evil and greedy? And that's really what it boils down to, folks. These social programs, they're not kind. There's an agenda. You're not giving out of your own means. You're stealing from someone else out of evil and greed to give to somebody else. So this Christmas message from FDR, that middle part, uh, that was, man, a portent of evil to come. It was a disastrous decision. It has been disastrous. It remains disastrous. Every time it grows, it's disastrous. And no, you're not being kind. You know, all these comments about giving to the widow and the orphan and the poor and the needy, but you're not doing it. When you vote for somebody else to take money away from another person, you're not being kind. And really what you're saying is we trust the state more than God, right? Because what you're saying is, well, I don't have that much and, and, and these people need so much. So we're going to go ahead and take away from people that have a lot because they don't really need it. And, and I don't think God would take care of these people. He just wouldn't. He doesn't really care. And so just <laughs> there's no good way to spin that. And I really wasn't looking forward to it, but nonetheless. So the last part, though, uh, is really pretty phenomenal. Uh, and it's really it's extremely condemning for us as a country having allowed the 1947 decision, which I can't stand the fact that I can't name that court case to you every single time I talk about. So we're going to look it up real quick because I can do that. 
think. Yeah, Everson versus the Board of Education. 1947. So, ever since that, that horrible, evil, misguided at best, malevolent, at, at likely maybe or worst, I guess, we've allowed this to play out. And, and this last part of FDR's Christmas message just shatters that because he turned you know, FDR, if you don't know, was, oh, by the way, a Democrat. And at this time, the problem today is we have these core values, and I think we're going to go ahead and take some time out, maybe tomorrow, and, and go through that again. These core values used to hold us together, and they don't anymore. We're divided. Uh, and, and those core values are tied back to God, and FDR is going to lay out really part of the core of those core values in Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount in just a second. And so this idea that we were supposed to kick, because you got to remember this was, this was 39. So this was almost a decade before the separation of church and state nonsense, evil. FDR is going to tie our country directly to Jesus Christ publicly just like our founders did, just like Fisher Ames always go back to him and John Jay and some of the others talked about the fact that Bible, Jesus Christ and God had to be central in our public life. Constitution, declaration, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I already hear some of y'all saying, well, it's not in the Constitution, but when you go into the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all those things are based on the teachings of Christ. And it even talks about the Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath, not it's not Islam, it's not Buddha, it's not Hindu, it's not atheism, it's God the Father of Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here's this last little bit of FDR's message. Let us pray, let us rather pray, that we may be given strength to live for others, to live more closely to the words of the Sermon on the Mount, and to pray that peoples and the nations which are at war may also read, learn, and inwardly digest these deathless words. May their import reach into the hearts of all men and of all nations. I offer them as my Christmas message. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Franklin D. Roosevelt, Radio Christmas Greeting to the Nation, 1939, December 24th. So I wanted to read just a little bit more of Christ's Sermon on the Mount that comes right after the Beatitudes. I'm going to read the last one, take, pick up where, where Roosevelt left off. 
Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall come shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And there's a lot more from what's this three chapters, two or three chapters here that's called the Sermon on the Mount. But I read that because We've got a problem today and that we want everybody to like us. And I'm super guilty of that, folks. Very guilty. Um, but that's not what Christ calls us to do. And that's not what a Christian nation is called to do. And if we're not going to stand up for the truth, what good are we really? You know, if, if we don't have women in the homes teaching our children these truths, even if maybe the neighbors kind of look at them strangely, if we don't have men out in the world and business and the military and anywhere else, education across the world as, as lawyers and judges that are standing up for our founding faith and principles based on the teachings of Christ, then what good are we? FDR ties this directly into our country. The Sermon on the Mount goes through these Beatitudes, said this is the way we've got to live, and not only here as a whole nation, but we've got to try and spread this to other nations, which goes all the way back, folks, to our colonial. It all ties in from the very beginning, Christopher Columbus, the very beginning, onward, the main goal, the main goal was Spread Christianity. Spread Jesus Christ. Be a light to the rest of the world. That that light, the shining city on a hill that was used by Reagan and others to talk about America. We've been given all these blessings, but we have a responsibility to spread this light to other nations. And if we don't do that, we're going to lose those blessings, folks. It's, it's perfectly clear in history time and again. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation. For those of you that are starting to go down that path, we'll still get to heaven. You have faith in Jesus Christ, but there's going to be some earthly consequences, folks. And a lot of it, a lot of it, I think, is God just trying to get our attention and saying, hey, you got to turn around. You got to look here where you really became great. And if we'll just turn back to him, folks, then at least we've got a shot. Because we're heading toward a fight. Just like in 1939, FDR and the Americans knew that there was a fight coming.
God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. Sure to appreciate y'all joining me here on the podcast. For those of y'all that have joined over on Patreon, thank you. And I'm incredibly grateful for your time and your support. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.